You're listening to Policy Room by SPRF. Welcome to what is part two of a three-part series on sustainability and consumption. We're going to be exploring what sustainable consumption can mean for an average individual, the role producers can play in sustainability, and the policy challenges India faces on this front. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at how producers can help uphold sustainable consumption and production as a part of the supply chain. I'm your host, Parav Singh, and I'm an intern at SPRF. Our guest today is Akshita Sharma. Akshita, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Akshita Sharma, and I'm working as a research associate at SPRF. Uh, my background is in economics. I have finished my bachelor's and my master's in economics from Delhi University and Ambedkar University, Delhi, respectively. Here at SPRF, I'm trying to build the economy vertical and trying to adopt a gender lens and a behavioral lens to some of the research work that we do. All right, Akshita, let's just get into it. Um, so in our last episode, we discussed what role consumers had to play in promoting sustainability in consumption. And while we both agree that consumers do have a very important role to play, so do producers. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing how producers can go about doing that and the place they have in the supply chain as producers of sustainable goods and services. The very first question that I have for you that I think has been plaguing everybody's mind is the question of if supply or demand should drive sustainable products and sustainable markets. Because we always see this contrasting opinion by producers saying sustainable products should be demanded more by consumers. And we see consumers saying sustainable products should be supplied more by producers. So what are the economics of that? And where do you think sustainability comes into the scene there? I completely agree with you that generally the burden is put on consumers to drive the agenda forward and to demand sustainable products. But how much can consumers change their purchasing behavior or voice their concerns if they can't see cheaper alternatives or if there is no initiative from the producers? So just as we discussed last time that consumers have a moral imperative, I think producers also have a moral imperative. And there are so many companies that say are not even under the pressure of going green because say they are not very huge, they're not multinationals. But there are so many startups and new ventures that are coming up. And if they can take the responsibility of going green or supplying sustainable products, then why can't bigger companies? You're right. We have actually seen examples of a lot of companies recently coming forward and um, attempting to go green. I don't think we've seen enough of that in India, given the fact that the the sustainability wave hasn't overtaken mass consumption in India yet. So I feel like we definitely do have a lot to sort of catch up on there. Absolutely. I agree with you. And the lack of initiative on the government's end can make consumers unwilling to lead change, right? And for the producers, they should actually see it as an opportunity to jump in and lead the sustainability bandwagon. I think there's this distance between the consumers and the producers, and we need to bridge this distance. And the initiative has to come from both ends, producers from the top and consumers from the bottom. So they need to meet halfway. And also there are research and some studies that show that the market potential for eco-friendly goods and services is quite large. It's, it's over $40 billion. That's actually very interesting to know, just to see that even on the supply side, there is already this growing industry, which, which as consumers, we're not aware of. But keeping that in mind, given basic economics, as the demand for sustainable products increases, 
it'll drive the supply upwards, which means prices might fall because of increasing competition and lower input prices. But do you think it is possible for companies to price sustainable alternatives at lower prices right now to drive the consumer demand up in the first place? Okay, so in the last podcast also, we discussed about this, how green goods are more expensive due to higher input prices and larger amount of time, energy and inputs that go into it. But we must recognize that non-green goods, if we try to include environmental costs into the prices of the non-green goods, I think they'll actually turn out to be more expensive than green goods. And I think here, government incentives, say, would come in. If we want to lower the prices of green goods right now, then maybe subsidized inputs or certain tax benefits for green products industry should be in place to maybe lower that price. So what do you think? Is there any other way to reduce the prices for now? It's very interesting that you ask, actually, because I did read a recent study about Walmart, which is one of the biggest supermarkets in the world, arguably, decided to go green for a lot of their products. And they realized that a lot of the green products that they had on their shelves were a little more expensive than most regular products. And to sort of overcome that, they basically did two things. One, they tried to source it from producers who were almost willing to sell it at the same price as regular products. And number two, to bring down the prices of their products, they basically started giving incentives to their employees, saying, if you're able to sell more sustainable goods this year, we're going to be increasing your salaries by, let's say, 10%, which means if the employers are able to sell more, the demand for it increases. If the demand for it increases, to match up with that, the supply is going to increase. And apart from that, what I do know is that most businesses can be very successful in at least tackling the waste management and the waste production part of their businesses. For example, let's, let's take the food industry. In the UK, there's a lot of food chains which at the end of the day, when they know that they have leftover products from the morning that they can't really store for the next day, what they do is they reduce the price of those products. So let's say if something was costing four pounds in the morning at 10 a.m., by 6 p.m., which is two hours before the store closes, they're going to slash the prices down by 50% so that people immediately come and pick more stuff up and they don't have to ultimately throw all of this food in the waste, which to me, it seems like a win-win situation because not only are you selling all of it off and not wasting anything, there's also people who are willing to buy all of that and, and sort of put it to good use. And at this point, I feel like it's not even about the awareness because that sort of campaign has become so popular. I mean, I think they did need to advertise in the start, but at this point, it's completely become word of mouth, which is exactly what's going to happen if you if you promote incentives like this in a sustainability market because once somebody sees something that's that's profitable to consumers, they're obviously going to tell other people about it. We're going to tell other people about it. I feel like once businesses do take up something sustainable, all, all they need is to sort of make consumers aware that that is an alternative that consumers can definitely pick up. And I feel like that's that's all they need for their businesses to, to pick up. All right. That was a very interesting example because I did not think of it in that terms. I mean... So innovation can also be a way to lower the prices is what you're saying. So do you think then that brands also have the responsibility or would brands care to create awareness about sustainable standards? And we hear a lot about greenwashing and is the word sustainable just a way to bag a consumer or are brands 
some brands working towards it actively actually okay there's a controversial question i do believe some brands are actually working sort of very actively towards sustainability in the supply chain which is not only limited to you know upholding environmental standards but also a lot of other things in terms of you know providing sustainable livelihoods to to people who produce their food in fact one of these brands that i can think of that has actively been doing something along those lines is a sort of dutch confectionery brand called tony's chocolate only who are basically producing and selling chocolate and they pride themselves in very closely following fair trade practices and very vehemently opposing sort of slavery and child labor practices and they partner up with companies in Ghana and the Ivory Coast which is where cocoa is grown mostly and so they end up buying cocoa beans directly from farmers and not sourcing it through other organizations and other companies and they also end up providing a premium price for their cocoa beans and sort of combating exploitation in the process in fact they have actually been paying about 20% over the regular gate price for cocoa that farmers usually get and the gate price is basically the prices that are set up by the government and sort of local farmer boards at that point i just i'd like to say that that's a choice that they're making completely by themselves they aren't necessarily gaining enough profits from it but in their sort of quest to be sustainable that's something they want to do so i feel like that's where the moral imperative part definitely comes in what do you think okay so this is i think a very great example and yes tony's chocolate only is is a very nice name so i mean i was thinking that you know how there are these companies like you mentioned a few before like ecosia and whole foods and now tony's chocolate only who are making some headway introducing sustainably and on the other hand you look at certain companies that practice green washing and um, who take up or invest in offset projects so what do you have to say about that and maybe could you tell our listeners about what offset projects are and what greenwashing would mean what a lot of companies are guilty of doing is called greenwashing which is basically you are marketing your product as something that is entirely sustainable when it really isn't so you pride yourselves on being let's say carbon neutral or something like that but when you when you go into the depths of it you find out that you really aren't again like you said i think the sort of easiest example to sort of give for that greenwashing scam essentially is offset projects so offset projects are basically projects that companies invest in when they know they can't cut down their emissions anymore and whatever emissions they have right now is the minimum amount of emissions that while i said that i'm pretty sure you can sort of start to understand that the minimum may differ for a lot of people you know so what happens there is sometimes companies just don't put an effort into reducing their emissions at all and since they are highly profitable they think it's okay to just invest more in in offsetting the emissions that they have now offsetting usually takes place through sort of practices that either help suck carbon out of the air or sort of stop production of future emissions so for example some offset projects that i know of are a either forestry offset projects where you pay an organization to sort of either work with the government or usually work with the government actually to uh, plant trees in a certain area or there's offset projects like cook stove projects which is basically you work with an organization that provides clean and more efficient cook stoves to people in need in let's say developing countries where people are sort of currently using um, high emission cook stoves 
what happened there is there's this sort of gap that you have between the payment and the implementation of those offset projects. Offset projects basically do get certified by, by major organizations, but there's a couple of inconsistencies there when it, when it comes to how relevant the offset project is going to be in the future. For example, as far as the tree planting thing is concerned, there's been instances where people have invested their money in forestry offset project. And essentially, if you're investing your money in a project like that, what that means is if you hadn't invested that money, that project wouldn't have happened. But what we have found out from a lot of case studies and from a lot of research and is essentially that a lot of organizations take credit for the tree planting that's happening when it was actually supposed to be happening in the first place without the involvement of the company as well. So clearly that money isn't going towards the tree planting incentive at all. It is going somewhere else. So that is most definitely a scam. And... Um, Apart from that, there's this whole sort of issue of double counting as well, where two or three companies may end up investing in the same offsetting project and consider this themselves as, as organizations that are moving to moving towards sustainability. And that might not be true because in essence, only one company has done something to become more sustainable. The other two aren't even sure if, if that offset has been picked up by somebody else or not. So the, there's inconsistencies in the certification, there's inconsistencies in terms of on the part of companies where they don't research well enough what offsets they want to invest in. And it's, it's just this whole idea that I'm going to quickly shell out my money and put it into this project that I think people are going to consider sustainable just from the look of it. And that that's about it. And then I just wash my hands off of this entirely. So ideally what would make more sense is for companies to cut down their emissions as much as possible rather than trying to offset it. But if there are emissions that are absolutely sort of essential, then they definitely need to put in way more research into sort of understanding what offset projects are actually sustainable and what aren't. And I feel like there should be greater research into what certification all those projects require. All right. So you're saying that offset projects may actually sound interesting on paper, but then when you go on to implement it, there are a lot of gaps that occur on the ground and it might actually incentivize companies to not reduce their emissions but try to offset them through projects and projects that actually might not turn out to be as successful and as you might think it would turn out to be. To control these things, do you think some sort of monitoring is required then? I think it is absolutely essential when it when it comes to carbon offsetting by by industries because I don't think any of us want it to be that easy for industries to just pay off their carbon emissions. That's, that's not something that's sustainable at all. And that actually does remind me of this discussion where even though companies may say that they are sustainable in terms of their production, that even though they may reduce their carbon emissions in supply chain in the production stage, if their final product isn't sustainable, then it doesn't really matter in the long run, does it? So if you are reducing all your emissions in, let's say, producing cars, but your cars are still using conventional fuels, people are still going to keep buying those cars and that's ultimately going to lead to emissions. So for a company to be to be entirely carbon neutral or to say that we're net zero, not only does their entire supply chain process need to be sustainable, their final product needs to be very, very sustainable as well. All right. And I think 
brands and companies nowadays also use a lot of pr and marketing to market their products or to mislead consumers into thinking that it's a sustainable product where say it isn't so i think this is also pretty unethical and as consumers we should be capable of spotting greenwashing and questioning their claims that's true i feel like a couple of elements of that that we sort of can keep in mind when we are going out shopping and when you're trying to understand if a product is sustainable or not is one if this company is adhering to any environmental standards at all number two where our product is coming from as consumers it might be very difficult for us to try and understand a sustainability in the supply chain and raw materials because that's not necessarily something that's open information at this point and i think the same goes for working conditions as well so ideally it would be really sort of relevant if all of these factors could be made public by law you know and the one thing that we can sort of definitely try and understand right now is packaging so how are these products that we get packaged you know so i think in sort of most developed countries you see they maybe package like six slices of oranges into like a proper plastic packed box which doesn't make sense because orange itself has like a natural natural cover this whole idea of where consumers can be aware about sustainable practices and where producers need to be uh, responsible for that is is a little difficult to understand given the fact that we don't have enough information as consumers about a lot of these products but i think as of now the two things that we can definitely focus on are packaging and shipping for example what smaller sustainable businesses do is they source a lot of their products locally which means they'll get in touch with local farmers and say we want your products in our in our market and in our sort of shop and that not only does that save you the shipping cost and reduce your shipping emissions it also promotes local livelihoods which is a very essential part of like sustainable development and also the fact that when so much of your food that's sourced is local you have an idea of how it's made which means it's much easier for you to try and understand if it's sustainable or not all right and i think that i agree with you and i also think that the orange example was a very good example of what sustainability is not and i think what even unsustainability is not it's just completely on the opposite end of what we do not aim to be that is true so i just wanted to know your opinion on what you think about brands being responsible in terms of waste management and waste disposal honestly because i've heard that a lot of scandinavian countries have taken up incentives where companies and businesses and brands essentially aid customers in disposing of their waste what do you have to say about that yeah i think the brands should take the responsibility for say collecting yeah. and disposing of waste from their customers and i think i've read about certain grocery stores that ask their customers to dispose of whatever they waste they have like cans or glass bottles in the supermarket and these supermarkets they then they collect those waste and send it for recycling and the customers on the other hand get some amount of store credit or cash for that so i think this is a very innovative way to take care of waste then i think even ikea is buying back old furniture from their customers and then refurbishing it and selling as second hand furniture in their own stores so do you have any other example that you can think of 
I do actually. There's there's a few organizations in Denmark that I can think of that basically work towards picking up food that is quote unquote expired, but has been tested in a lab to show show that it really isn't expired because we know sometimes companies put labels on products, selling them by an expiry date that is sort of much earlier than the product is actually bound to expire. You know, the whole best before, but it's still consumable after that date as well. So these organizations pick up that food and they do one of two things. If the expiry date is much further away, they would sell these products at half the price through a variety of suppliers. Or sometimes they just usually donate this food off to food shelters and stuff like that. So that means none of the food that's in that supermarket is being thrown away. It's being used in one way or another, unless it's completely expired and not fit for consumption. Yes, I completely agree with you. And this is entirely possible. But what we need is good investment backing in these things. So I think the country needs to have some sort of ecosystem where investment is attracted towards such sustainable products or producers or supply chains. You actually make a very good point. Keeping that in mind, I think I have a very important question for you that we all need the answer to. What kind of processes and innovations do you think are required to ensure then that sustainability is scaled up in terms of production and how can you amplify? So when I hear the word amplify, bigger companies is what comes to my mind. So smart ideas are great. Startups and ventures are great. And I think bigger companies will have to be more responsible and initiate change because they do have large customer bases, which they have acquired over the years. They have a large reach. They, again, have high amounts of investment in their company. So they stand a higher chance to nudge their customers towards buying green products. And I think what becomes really important here is also policy interventions then from the government. That's very true. And in general, I feel like on, on the producer's end, if direct marketing is not something that is affordable or financially viable yet, there's also a lot of indirect marketing methods that you can put into place to market your sustainable product in collaboration with other businesses. For example, for plant-based milks, I think this is something that I've noticed over the years, particularly in India, is the fact that you don't necessarily buy plant-based milk from supermarkets, but you still do find options to sort of use plant-based milk in, in restaurants or in coffee shops when you go to coffee shops, which sort of helps engage with the customer more in, in the sense that there's this sort of indirect marketing that you have there, where a customer will see that they have all these other options except regular milk. And that would make them want to try it out. But that's the, that's the sort of idea with sustainable alternatives is the fact that consumers are given this choice to try out multiple things, to show that they have these options. And it's their awareness that sort of makes all the difference now. So collaborating with, with other organizations, with other businesses to integrate your product into their supply chains is definitely also a sort of indirect marketing technique that that works to increase sustainability in production and that's another way that producers can try to scale sustainable products but i also think that here policy interventions and government interventions becomes very important so that the intention of the consumers and the actions of the producers can move forward in synergy right and so this this also reminds me of the make india campaign it gained a lot of traction. And if we could just 
if have some kind of similar movement for promoting sustainable consumption in the country then we can imagine how influential that would be in shaping a sustainable consumption ecosystem in india too very well said actually that brings us to the end of our podcast and i think a few things that we sort of did try and learn and understand from each other we can sum up by saying it's not necessarily always about profits you know at some point it boils down to the fact that we have this duty towards building a sustainable consumption and production ecosystem and um, the supply side of it or the producer side of it is very instrumental in terms of the impact that they can have on this process with all that said government policy still ends up playing a very important role both in sustainable production and in consumption as a matter of fact that's actually something we're going to be discussing in the next episode so keep a lookout for that thank you paris for such a great conversation and see you all in the next episode